Blog Talk Radio. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear Tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. All right, everybody, welcome to Race Chat Live. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you just fine. Yes, sir. All right, good. Because I didn't hear that long intro annoying music, so I wasn't sure if we were in. But what a weekend in Daytona it was. I don't know about you guys, but uh, if I would have put Tony Bucks down on Recky Stenhouse, I'd have been about $80,000 richer. Yeah, no Who kidding. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? The funny part is, I'm just going to throw this out here quick. When I was thinking my picks for, when I was thinking of who to put in for my pick uh, for the pool, I, I had three drivers picked, and one of them was a repeat Daytona 500 winner, and I literally said to myself, we're going to see a first-time Daytona 500 winner because it's the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. That's just how it's going to be. And, of course, I picked wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't really think. But Daytona, and, I mean, we can all, we all know this. Daytona is a crapshoot. Daytona, Talladega, and many of the Roval races, they're all, they're all just a crapshoot. Uh, we're waiting for Chaz, or not Chaz, but Chris to join us. He is taking care of some family business. I was working last Tuesday. And I actually just got home from a day job event um, with the community not far from me. So, luckily, I was able to get dialed in. But, I mean, the entire weekend, I'm curious to know. We don't have an itinerary. I'm curious to know what you guys thought of the truck race. Um, I I, I was watching, and I thought Stewie had a really good shot at – finally getting that win at Daytona, and he was leading and put himself in a bad situation. I think he should have just stayed where he was at and not try to block three lanes of traffic uh, in the second stage. I get stage points are important, but at that um, at that juncture, um, at that juncture, was it really? Well, where he was sitting... Uh, I mean, yeah, he should have stayed in his lane, but at the same time, he did not have much uh, help from behind either. They were kind of really pushing hard. And, of course, we've all seen it before at Talladega. If you 
push to the limit, something's going to happen, and things just get worse if you can't stay in one lane. So, unfortunately for Stu, he kind of had that deal, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I even forget who won the truck race. I, I it, it escapes me, Zane but... Smith. That's right. Zane and uh, it shouldn't escape me because when I sent my original picks, Taz, um, it was then that you informed me that it was only two. So it was only Cup Series we were doing, and I picked Zane Smith to win. Yeah, so, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, I will... He... He um, back to back for a season opener in the trucks for Zane Smith, and that's oh. uh, and unfortunately they didn't get they didn't get to finish the race because of the rain. But and Zane even said it himself he wanted it's great he won, but he would rather finish the race out instead of you know rain shortened. Well, what driver? Yeah, would I, I mean nobody wants. Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say that, Lee. Good point. And nobody wants to win a rain-shortened race. However, a checkered flag is a checkered flag, and we all know that he can do it without it. Um, unlike when Bubba won his rain-shortened race, exactly. we were all wondering, could he do it if it wasn't rain-shortened? He proved that he could. But Zane, but Zane <laughs> is a proven winner, and, you know, at that time, Bubba wasn't. So, yeah, I get what right. you're saying. And and. And Bubba's a proven whiner. Uh, we'll talk about more whining from the NASCAR Cup Series uh, later. But, you know, it's just like as going back to Stewie. Um, I, I agree, Taz. I think he bought too early, and I said that from the beginning. I think I even put that on one of his posts. I'm like, well, perhaps if he wouldn't have tried to block three lanes in the second stage, you wouldn't have ended up the way you did. But, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you're going for, you know, NASCAR has put an emphasis on stage points, and, you know, they, they're critical towards the end of the season. We've, we've seen that. Especially how short the truck season is. I mean, they, these drivers really need those stage points to help propel them. Exactly. So, you know, what else we got for the truck series? I mean, we're obviously trucks are racing this weekend, and then I think they're off the following week. But uh, we no, got anything else? Are, Lee, you got anything? Trucks are not racing this weekend. It's just Xfinity and Cup. Oh, trucks are not racing this weekend. thought they used to race in Cup. I thought it was always a three. They must have changed it when they did redid the schedule. So my apologies for misspeaking. For misspeaking. Anything else in the truck series? Um, I do want to point out, and this should obviously come as no surprise, but can we point out the overall performance that Thor Sport had? And, yeah, we could sit here pinpoint one driver, but I think Thor Sport as a whole um, really performed. If you look at stage one, uh, Crafton second, Haley Deegan fourth, Ty Majeski sixth, um, that's three out of the four. Stage two, you had Crafton third, Majeski sixth, Rhodes seventh, and three out of the four. And then to finish off the race, Ty Majeski with a 
sixth place finish. Matt Crafton, ninth. Ben Rhodes, one spot short of the top ten. Um, tough break for Haley Deegan, unfortunately. Got into an early on accident in stage two that ended her race, but I'm starting to really... She, that girl needs to learn how to stay out of trouble. Yeah, and and hopefully she would have learned that by now, but apparently... You would think. She has not. I mean, she's only been racing in the truck series for three, four years. I thought maybe with the engagement, she'd have got a little smarter. Oh, I didn't hear she got engaged. I think she did. I could be mistaken, but I thought I I had read she got engaged. But yeah, that the Thor Sport, I mean, if they can overall keep that performance up in this season, I have a good feeling that uh Thor Sport will be uh easily championship contenders as a whole. But can't judge you can't judge entirely off of one race. No, you can't judge on uh, one race. So hopefully this gets better as the season goes along. Any other final thoughts before we move to the Xfinity series? I have no final thoughts. Nope. Let's move it on. All right. Let's move it on. MGM. Oh. Xfinity Series, wow. What a, what a race that was. I mean, I didn't get to watch the Xfinity race um, live in person because I was too busy over in Syracuse with the Syracuse-Duke game. But I watched the highlights, and wow, what an entertaining thriller that was. And just uh, like yeah, I didn't get to watch series, it. Just like the Truck Series, we had a repeat winner. Again, for the season opener. Because it was Austin Hill that that won it. But people are debating on if it was really him or John Hunter Nemechek that won it. Why is that? I don't know what your guys' take is on it. Well, they were neck and neck. Yeah, they were side by side. Well, I mean, it was really close, but I guess from wherever they hit the caution, Zane, or Austin Hill was like, I think like a couple inches ahead or something like that. But some people are saying the frame that NASCAR showed, it looks like John Hunter is in front. Well, I'll have to see it. I'll have to see if uh, I can find that on YouTube after we get done dinner, and if we can, and if we have time, maybe I'll circle back around to it. We'll circle back around to it so that I can watch it. We're getting ready to <clears throat> we're getting ready to eat dinner here. We just got home. Like I said, I just got yeah. home, but I'm definitely interested in seeing it. 
the the interesting thing is is that both the Xfinity race and the Cup race come down to caution finishes and you know the uh, timing and scoring kind of thing. Just find it interesting. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if it were me, for in this case, this is where that confusing overtime line slash the old rules of when a caution comes out, race to the line type deal kind of plays. Like, if there's an overtime line and a yellow girl gets thrown out, let them race to the overtime line, and whoever gets there first is the winner. That, that's just my take on it. But I think these frame-by-frame uh, these frame-by-frame caution calls are a little confusing, and I give NASCAR props for doing all that, but I, as a fan, sometimes it becomes a little confusing. I right, and that's, and that's actually, uh, Taz, that's going to be one of our um, topics uh, in the next half hour, so let's just go ahead and finish talking about the uh, Xfinity race. Yeah, and what a showing for junior motorsports, too. They, uh, there were times during the race where there were four cars, all four of their cars were uh, nose to tail, whichever uh, line they were, lane they were in for drafting. Unfortunately, they didn't get the win out of this, but they had one heck of a showing. Absolutely, and that's one of their advantages as a four-car team that they could, you know, they had that power. Yeah, and I'm looking at uh, past results now, and stage one, Allgaier and Josh Berry out of the top ten for junior motorsports. Going back in stage two, Allgaier won the stage, Sam Mayer second, Brandon Jones fourth, Josh Berry sixth. And, of course, the race end, Justin Allgaier, another heartbreak for him, finishing third. Um, Brandon Jones, 14th. Uh, Josh Berry, 26th. Sam Mayer, 27th. But other than the finish, Junior Motorsports was right there. And funny part about it is also looking back on these results is that Joe Gibbs, and RCR practically only had one car to compete against the four-car tandem of Junior Motorsports. So is this, should this be a concern question mark for Joe Gibbs and RCR, being that you only have one competitive car out of your team to go against a, a four-car competitive squad? I'll say it right now. I see, I see Junior Motorsports winning the championship this year. They've got a competitive wow. play of drivers. They're all proven winners. That's a pretty ballsy statement. First race of the season, Miss Lee, I will say. 
Yeah, it is, but you know, take it take it for what it's worth. Like I said, you've got four good proven drivers there, so Hey Craig, she could pull the NASCAR Domus move in the Xfinity series. I know, I know. She could, and she might. But would it really? Because they're not an underdog team. But she's right. No, they actually could. They've got enough proven winners there that they could, they could get it done. Oh, exactly. And they could I get mean, it done in convincing style. I mean, you look at Justin Allgaier. I can easily look at Justin Allgaier and Josh Berry being the top two out of the four in that stable. Um, they don't have A.J. Allmendinger. They don't have Ty Gibbs. They don't have Noah Gregson. So it's looking pretty good that at least those two can break out of three drivers' shadows. Exactly. Look at the field this year. A lot of newcomers. But and I, and I really think you might not see it. Go ahead. We can say the same for Austin Hill, who can break through. Uh, we know John Hunter Nemechek. If you put him in the right equipment, he'll put that car towards the front. I mean, look at – I'm going to go back in results again. Ninth in stage one, eighth in stage two, and runner-up uh, at, the, at the time of caution after the white flag. So, I mean, you got him that can break through. You got Austin Hill that could. But like Miss Lee said, there's a lot of new drivers. So, Allgaier and Josh Berry could break through. Maybe Riley Herbst can finally uh, poke his nose into the mix. If he doesn't wreck. That is true. Right. All right, we got about two minutes left in this segment. And then we move on to the cup stat of the week. I don't know who has it, but uh, well, I'll be no, interested to see. I have it. We're going to talk about the cup race first. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going by the itinerary. It says cup stat of the week. So, yeah, I mean, what else do we have for you rather infinity? I think we're good on Xfinity. Let's go ahead and and, uh, move on to the cup race. Well, what can we say that hasn't already been said? Um, Although, you know, Stenhouse did a hell of a job for uh, JTG Doherty Racing. Um, Now, if he could string that together and get a couple of good finishes and maybe even another win, solidify himself just a little bit more in the Cup Series, um, you know, because he's only won three times, I believe it is, and it's all on restrictor on, uh, well, like, I don't know what the new term is now, but it was restrictor plate tracks, Talladega and now Daytona. Um, so I think he's got, yeah, three or four wins in the Cup Series, but they're all on, they're all on restrictor plate tracks. Um, what do you got, Miss Lee? Well, I, you know, it was, 
it was interesting. I'm, you know, I, I'm happy for Recky, um, you know, that he got this win. Um, but yeah, that, that's, you know, he shows his most experience at, at restrictor plate races. So even though he's locked into the chase, that doesn't mean a thing. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll see. We'll see throughout the season whether or not he can prove himself that he's worthy of being a contender for for the championship or not. But you know, we also said, and then all that Taz chime in, but it just dawned on me last year when Cedric won it. We all said that boy's going to be out in the first round, and he I think he made it to round three uh, by luck, right? And, and by skill. So I mean, if he can string, if if Stenhouse can string together some solid top fives and some top tens. He doesn't need a win anymore to to keep advancing. He just needs solid finishes. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they can do that, if they can build off of that, off of this win going forward. Kaz, what do you got, brother? Yeah. Um, the 500 itself was I guess kind of mild it, like not a whole lot happened but when it did it was enough to talk about um, we saw with uh, Ricky Spinhouse I mean I don't think anybody saw it coming but maybe those people that like to pick the the long shot winners probably circled him I mean, I do think – I'll have to look back. I think we marked Stenhouse as an underdog for last week. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, trying to see. No, we didn't even list him as an underdog. We put Ty Gibbs – oh, no, we put Ricky Stenhouse as a sleeper. So, I mean, we had him as – we had him on the radar – just not as a obviously heavy favorite. But hey, that gives JTG their second win ever. And it's their first since um, AJ Allmendinger at the Glen. And I think that was back in 2014, but I have to check that one. I don't know. I only want the, I only want the best for Ricky, and hopefully, you know, he's been in this, he's been in this sport a very, very long time, and, you know, he garnered himself a bad reputation, and that had nothing to do with with Dayton and Danica, uh, but he he always seemed to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and again, hopefully this. Uh, this is positive things to come for JTG Doherty Racing, and that's a mouthful and a half. Yeah, definitely. I, who knows? Maybe them taking a step back from a two-car team to a one-car team might have benefited. Yeah. We, oh, well, I you think, guys are going to – Go ahead, Lee. You guys are going to think I'm um, being blasphemous here, but you know what? I was bored all weekend long. All three races, 
I just felt were boring. It was, it, I don't, it was not the level of racing that I was expecting. I expected to see a lot more competition. I didn't expect to see so many drivers playing it safe. Um, You know, if you think about it, the most excitement came in the closing laps of all three races. But that's usually what happens. It seems like they sandbag, and then towards the end, whatever they've got, they save all the they save all the drama for the last fifty to seventy five seventy five to fifty laps, and then everything then everything starts to happen. At least that's how I look at it. Well, I, you know, and I know that's how it usually is at at the super speedways, and I, you know, and I understand that. But I just, you know, I I mean, I watched the races, but I just wasn't excited. Not much, like I said, not much happened. But when it did, it was enough to talk about. Um, if we look back at, I mean, shoot. Once the green flag dropped in the 500, it pretty much stayed quiet relatively up until Reddick got a little loose, and away he went. Tough break for him because it looked like he would have had a decent finish, or at least being contention for a good finish. But right, I mean, they collected a couple others with him, unfortunately. Because I don't think anybody was on his tail. I, I think it was just all on his own. Yeah, he just got loose. And the other thing with um, the other thing with super speedway races is, I mean, I think I thought the Xfinity series was was more entertaining from start to finish. I mean, I know the truck race, not much happened until you got a lot of wrecks or passing that was happening because when I watched, uh, when I saw the highlights of it, it went from green to the next highlight was the wreck in stage two where Deegan wrecked out. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't miss anything in stage one. Awesome. Yeah, and those those frequent cautions for the little bit of rain that was coming down were ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, I, I, I get the end, but... That amazes me. They'll throw cautions for the slightest amount of rain, and I get that they're running on slicks, but you know, run it. You're gonna that track is big enough. You're gonna outrun the rain, and if it starts raining hard and turns one and two, or three and four on the back stretch, then that's another story. But if it's light sprinkles to where it's it's barely hitting the windshield, run the damn race. Exactly. You know, run the race. People, I. 
nobody wants to see that amount of red flags and that amount of cautions for sprinkles. Right. I mean, I'm not arguing against the red flag towards the end because it was coming down at that point. But those other cautions early in the race were ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, was, I mean, I feel like NASCAR needs to monitor their caution for weather. I can, I feel like they could have went under yellow, but not red on some of the sprinkles because I can under, I can understand in the safety aspect at speeds as fast as they're going around Daytona, and if they hit the slick wet part of the track just right. You you can cause a whole lot of damage, like so, so I can understand like let them go yellow, but don't go red just to drag it out. Kind of let them go yellow, put your laps down a bit, play it out, and if it gets to the point where you need to go under red, then put them under red. But you can't just say oh there's a sprinkle immediately immediately go red, take cover. I mean, as Craig said, you gotta let the they can beat the uh, the track ain't gonna take that much moisture that quickly if you no. keep having Google, if you keep having cars whatever you know go around the track mm-hmm. on a constant basis. I just find right. it. I just I'm, found it annoying. Go ahead, Craig. All right. No, I just found it annoying not only for the TV audience, but the audience in the stands, you know, the the spectators in the stands. I mean, it was, you know, I've been in those stands, and that's a pain right in the neck when it's it's like that. So, all right, I guess we're supposed to do stat of the week. All right, so... Everybody complaining about um, the uh, number of ads shown in the race. And compared to 2001, there were 19 commercial breaks, 75 laps missed, 71 green flaps, excuse me, green flag laps missed, and the percentage of greens with ad, green with ads was 35.5%. In 2023, we had 23 commercial breaks, 78 laps mixed, 58 green, lag, green flag laps missed, and only 29% of green, green with ads. So it's gone down since 2001, but up a little bit since 2010. So what do you guys think and, about that? Well, commercials is what pays the bills. I mean, I work in radio sales, so I want my, I want my commercials played because that's how I get paid. The, uh, the jocks don't really want to play them, 
because they want to play music. It's a necessary evil to pay by the bill, pay the pay the bills. However, the one thing that I don't believe we had in that we had 22 years ago, <coughs> excuse me, was picture in picture for right. TV shows. So that helps this that because 20 years ago we didn't have that. They can cut away to a commercial, put the race in a smaller screen on the bottom right-hand corner, and you can still watch the race or the right-hand side of the TV or the left-hand side. I think they, I think they flip it every commercial break. Um, well, and so, that's I mean, that's, where you go from 71 green green flag laps missed down to 58. Right, because they're still showing the race just. And I've seen where if there's a caution, they will come out of commercial break. Um, if it's a bad enough caution. If it's not a bad caution, they'll keep going. If it's not a wreck, they'll keep going. So I'm interested to hear what Taz has to say. I have, I have no problem with the commercial breaks and I – and after reading that stat, it makes me feel better that we are still showing more green flag laps during breaks. I just hate the fact that I don't know if it's the timing or if I'm thinking it's the timing or maybe there's something not being called right in terms of show the broadcast versus um, go to commercial break or whatever, but I hate the fact at times where the more entertaining aspects happen or a wreck happens during commercial. I mean, yeah, you got the side-by-side, but uh, I feel like you can't be on, you can't be on commercial break for when those kind of things happen, but I but I think it's more of the timing aspect, and you can't always time that stuff right on the money. That's just pure luck. No, exactly. I mean, go ahead. Not like it's football. Not like it's football where they take a commercial timeout. Right. Or, or exactly. Or uh, baseball where they they go to commercial during innings. So, but, I mean, I get the whole, and I actually seen that stat earlier, and I shared it because I thought that was an interesting stat. And the guy said the same thing. You know, this is how they, this is how the NASCAR gets paid to earn their money back from the sponsors is to pay, play the commercials. I, I don't want to see the same Tide commercial 15 times, but you know what? It's no different than the stupid bull. The week before, there was commercial right. war, and they went picture in picture for that. And those ads were six to seven million dollars a commercial. Yeah, for thirty and sixty so I, seconds. I, yeah, if it was a sixty-second commercial, it was seven point five million dollars for sixty seconds. I'd love to have the commission on that, baby. Yeah, no kidding. Well, on a positive note, 
They've got um, 795,000 viewers for the Daytona 500. Was that for qualifying only? Pam, yeah. You're the one who shared that. Yeah, that's from qualifying, um, where they did the single car qualifying. That's and the that only was up season. 6% from last year. So that's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, it's qual- it's qualifying, and I'm still shocked at the fact that that's the only TV numbers we have right now. Um, normally, you would get we would have our TV numbers by either late yesterday or early today, and I'm quite surprised we haven't seen anything yet. And another stat I kind of want to bring up quick, and we saw – and I posted this before the Daytona 500 was ran, and then I shared it afterwards. So the stat I'm going to read off is every winner of the Daytona 500 in a year that ends with three has either won seven cup titles or once drove for the Wood Brothers. 1963, Tiny Lung, drove for Wood Brothers. 1973, Richard Petty, seven-time champion. Dale Yarborough in 1983, drove for Wood Brothers. Dale Jarrett in 1993, drove for Wood Brothers. Michael Waltrip in 2003, drove for Wood Brothers. 2013, Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion. 2023, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., drove for Wood Brothers for one race. And I believe I said two thousand, either 2010 or 2011 in the Coke 600. Right, when Trevor was having all his health issues. That is a very interesting statistic for sure. Oh, Chris shared with us another stat. After Ricky Stenhouse Jr. ended a historic 199 race winless streak by winning the Daytona 500, here are the current cup drivers with the longest winless streaks. Michael McDowell, 72 races, with his last win being the 2021 Daytona 500. Brad Keselowski, 63 races, last win coming out of Talladega in 21. Al Marola, 51 races, last win coming from, 20, from New Hampshire in 21. Ryan Blaney, 47 races, last win came from the Daytona night race in 21. And Martin Truex Jr., 45 races. Last win coming from Richmond in 2021. Interesting fact about these drivers is that besides McDowell, all of them have won either a Daytona Duel, Keselowski, Amarola, the All-Star Race, Blaney, or the Clash, Truex Jr., since their last points win, all exhibition races. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> that's a heck of a stat. Heck of a stat. Stat of the day, stat of the day. And hey, speaking of Chris, here he is. Yay. Sorry about the being late here, guys. But y'all have done a magnificent job at holding the ship down. I didn't, I didn't even want to interrupt. Well, I'm you fine. can t- take the helm, Chris, then, and uh, take us into Hot Topics. What a fine specimen. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, we got hot topics up next. That's the set of the day. 
Uh, right on time. Uh, you know, I, here we are. NASCAR fans know how to complain about everything. I heard you guys talking about the caution, the rain caution from the truck race, and we so quickly forget what happened when the cars ran off into the corner and, uh, you know, wrecked not too long ago over just a slight bit of mist. And I think we all agreed that NASCAR did not need to put uh, these drivers in that kind of situation, especially if they couldn't start the race over. So, um, you know, one of the interesting topics that I felt like this weekend, uh, coming from this weekend that we should talk about, should NASCAR go back to ending under the caution? And and I wanted to put that in parentheses because, I mean, tell me what – super speedway track, we don't end under caution, right? It's two laps. The first lap, they warm it up. The second lap, they wreck. It's, it's, it's been tradition now for, like, 15 straight super speedway races. So, um, we are ending under caution. I, I'm to the point now to where I say, do we need all this carnage before we end under caution? So, I, I don't even know if I asked the question right. I mean, to be honest with you guys, do we need all the carnage to, to just end under caution because remember a few years back Arthur refused to end under caution and we were not happy about that either because the race never ended. I think they're still running exactly. that race. <laughs> so I at what that. point in time do we Yeah, let's let's open the doors. Uh start with you, Ted. I see it as and I hate to really agree with Kyle Bush in this instance, but if you go back to the old 1998 rules or whatever, you ended the race under yellow. You you ran your lap, all the laps you need to do, and that was it. With this overtime stuff, like having an overtime line, and um, if a race goes under yellow within a certain amount of laps, that goes into overtime or whatever. It's I think it's a little nonsense. I mean, shoot, we ran overtime, and two races ended under yellow, in a sense. Because they didn't technically officially finish the lap under green. So what's the difference? Exactly. Uh, The difference is, like, 20 half-a-million-dollar race cars being torn up. That's the difference. And then, to be honest with you, I think as a fan, uh, knowing that we're on the brink of reaching new fan bases, one of the biggest criticisms I heard from the outside sports world was I tuned in the last 30 minutes to watch two laps and and 20 minutes of caution. So it took us 30 minutes to finish two laps of a race. And so the people that were tuned in, they weren't impressed by that. It wasn't racing they were watching. Now, no doubt. I mean, it is when they're side by side and they're pushing – you know, we could have had a hell of a finish there at the end, uh, but we didn't. We got we got cars that were crashed out, and then we're all left to wonder who NASCAR is going to give the win to, right? And let's put that in parentheses, yeah. in quotation, give the win to, because exactly. I, shared a picture, I shared a picture to you guys earlier. When the wreck was initiated, Jamie Logano was out front. So, like, they're, they're literally saying, okay, by the time I push the button, is when we call the race. And I don't think, I think it should be the the very instant of the wreck, right? Like we know that a car turning into the field at 200 miles an hour 
that's the time of the caution. So we don't even, we're, we're just throwing this out here, right? I mean, this could literally take up an hour, uh, uh, you know, if we went into full detail of how cringeworthy this whole setup is. Like, if we were guaranteed to end under a green flag condition, that's one thing. But we're just saying, okay, we're going to extend the race. We just had the Daytona 530. For what? To, to wreck half a million dollar race car? I, I just, you know, please, please. NASCAR being, NASCAR being arbitrary is all I'm going to say. The only thing that I want NASCAR to put into play is I know I said something about this, the dumb overtime line deal that they have, but I see it this way. You run you run your laps. Screw the overtime rule where if a caution comes out with three laps to go, what would normally be three laps to go, then the race should end under yellow. Now, here's the instance. Depending on where the incident is, where the accident is happening or where the caution is, there should you should either run to you should either keep going and race to the start finish line and then slow it down or mark a line that marks basically half basically half the lap of that track. So if an incident happens before they hit that half a lap mark, then let them race to that we point. We tried that. We tried that, and people laughed at us as a sport. We literally painted a line on the other side of the track halfway and said if they make it past this line, we'll won't, we won't re-rack them. But if they don't make it past this line, uh, then, then, uh, th- then we'll restart the race. Yeah, and so they drew a line on the opposite side of the speedway and said, look, when they make it here, it's a race. But if they don't make it here, then it's not. So, um and that wasn't good enough. Like, I agree. Like, it takes a whole lab to get these cars fired up. So, if we're talking about a super speedway and then, you know, in this in this certain instance, then one, we either need to not count caution labs, so it's still the Daytona 500. We're selling all this hype as the Daytona 500, but, yet we went 30 miles over, right? How does that make any sense? So, we don't or, count caution labs. And we paint the line again back on the other side of the speedway that says, hey, this is the danger zone. We cannot finish a race when we have a wreck in turn one at, you know, uh, a, a half a meter from the start-finish line, right? We, we need to make sure that there's no carnage anywhere near the start-finish line when the cars come back around. So I believe that was the thought process in the line, imaginary line or real line that was drawn or whatever on the opposite side of the speedway. Do you guys remember that? Do y'all remember the line being on the other side of the speedway? I remember that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and like, you know, that wasn't – they didn't use that for very long because fans didn't like it. So, uh, I mean, really, Craig, I, I want to know your thoughts, man, because I really don't feel like we're making any headway here because I think I think one thing that I do believe is we're all just like, what the hell are we doing this for? I think that's the one thing we agree on. Craig, please give us some more thoughts. I, I agree with you, Chris. I think we're sitting here and we agree that it's not right, but there, we don't have a solution because everything NASCAR has tried, the fan base has pretty much balked at. 
We didn't like it. We complained about it. We complained about it enough that NASCAR did away with it. And now, and it's, but it's anything in life. We as a people aren't happy with anything. So in general, so NASCAR goes and does what they think we want. And then we bitch that it's not the way that it should be. And it should go back to uh, the way that it was. Just like, and I'm not picking on Taz, but I'm going to use Taz as, as an example. He always relates, reverts back to the point system the way that it was. Well, if NASCAR would go back to that, guarantee you there would be people complaining about it. People don't like, a lot of people still don't like stage racing. My father said it this weekend. Boy, that ain't state. That ain't racing. He said it with all the cautions. You know, and I'm like, Dad, well, they have to. They don't have rain tires on their cars. And he was like, we're in Florida. So, I mean, as a a people, we're just not happy. And NASCAR is going to do what they have to to make us happy for a little while, and then they're going to change it when we're not happy again. So. The whole idea behind any of this was to not have a race finish under caution. We wanted to see a side-by-side finish, and it sucks every single time we're standing there with our head scratching wondering who the heck really won this race because there's still no scientific explanation of when NASCAR is going to accept that caution, right? Like, the picture that I shared to you guys clearly shows a car facing traffic Logano is clearly ahead by a hood length, but yet the caution did not come out until later on. So it's all it's it can all be argued, right? It can all be discrepant. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Come on, English major, somebody please. It's a discrepancy in all of it, and and, and so it leaves it up in the air. We're not like Craig just said though. We're not going to find the solution here. I don't think that there is a solid solution. I. I say we just keep doing what we're doing. If we don't have a solution and NASCAR is okay with going 30 miles overtime, it sounds good, right? When you're watching and listening to the sports shows, uh, when they actually do talk about racing, which is most of the time only the Daytona 500, but even still, you know, it, it makes people's ears perk when they hear overtime because it sounds like stick and ball. It sounds like something that other people – other sports are, are are used to. So, to not be the Debbie Downer here, I think we don't have a solution. If we don't have a solution, then why are we complaining about the problem? All right. So, Chris, I might have a solution. That's in the chat, too. And I feel like you would get this more than anybody else would. Because this, I'm going to take a page out of the dirt track racing book. In long-distance races, like I'm going to use, for example, the Super Dirt Car Series, and I will also use the Short Track Super Series 200-lap races. They count caution laps for, for up to five laps, like three to five laps, whatever their rules are. If they go over that extent under yellow, they freeze the lap counter. Until you go back to green. Now, they they freeze the lap. Now, caution laps do not count until they hit with until they hit ten laps to go. And if a caution comes out with ten laps to go or less, 
the lap counter stops, nothing counts under yellow. And I feel like this, if NASCAR could implement something like that into um, into what they do now, I feel like that could be a solution. If we went to dirt track rules, we would not end a race under caution. That's just that's just the way it is. We don't end races under caution uh, in dirt track racing, okay? And but we don't whatever we don't whatever number extra of laps. laps we go through. Exactly, we only count the number of laps that we're supposed to. So See, if it's lap ninety nine and we didn't complete that lap of a one hundred lap feature, well, we're going to race until we get to lap one hundred because we're not going to end under caution. Now there could be a checkered and a yellow at the same time, but that yellow. It's just telling the guy who's coming to the flag stand that there is a there's a wreck out on the racetrack. There, our our races do not end under yellow. And that's something that I have never understood is why NASCAR counts caution lap. I I do get that some of the longer races, if you didn't count the the caution laps it would lead to, and this goes back to television, okay, because if they don't count caution laps, then the races are going to run a lot longer. But I have never understood why they count caution laps, aside from that TV aspect. Yeah, I'm with Taz. I was typing it. With 10 to go, don't count cautions, don't count caution laps, and uh, uh, go single file, right? Go back to the old single file rule. If we can't rack them and stack them on the first time, then the next time around we go single file. Isn't that what we do at the dirt track? Isn't that what we do with factory stocks and pure streets are out there? We go single file, right? Yeah, we go. what that does is most places up here, you go, you are double file up in some places do a double file until halfway, and if there's two cautions under the same lap, you go instead of doing double file, you go single file. And some places, um, af- once you get past halfway, all restarts are single file. Or if you follow the short track super series, they are double file all the way, minus the whole two laps or two cautions under the same lap. They're double file all the way up until five laps to go, and then everything single file. There you go. There you go. I really don't have – I don't know if we have a solution here. I don't think we do, so we need to move on. Uh, It's a great topic. It's uh, definitely something that uh, I think only really persists the most at these types of speedways, the super speedways. Um, So if if it kind of works for mostly all the other racetracks, then, I mean, we just have to find a simple solution. Uh, or just keep it as it is and be with it. So our next hot topic is, you know, last year Kenny Wallace was so big on letting somebody else have the spotlight. Uh, over the last year, I've not turned into such a big Kenny Wallace fan like I used to be. Um, and so I may I may be kind of, uh, what's it called, uh, biased here. Um, me and Kenny have not seen eye to eye over some several issues here of late since his YouTube videos have started coming out. Now, I just, hey, he's been great for two and a half, three years. Now, all of a sudden, he's got to be a different guy. 
now that he's got him a YouTube channel. So, um, you know, uh, he's joined the SRX series. I think that's a good move. But I thought, once again, uh, we were trying to find superstars, not, not grandpas. Um, so I'm going to open the door with that. And, Taz, you're a big SRX fan. This is this has got – I know you got to agree with me on this. This is not a superstar. This is the guy who likes to run his mouth like us. He, and he's really no different he, than us. He had a, he had he a successful brother that gave him a handout. So, I mean, he, he likes to run his he likes to run his mouth. Yes, but for a big name like Kenny Wallace, who is highly on the whole, run your short track, run your, your local short tracks, or support your local short track deal. I feel like Kenny Wallace could benefit help benefit SRX in this sense. Um, so, and it's, I, I don't entirely really agree with you on, on this, Chris. I feel like last year with what he did, um, he didn't want to take the spotlight off Ken Schrader and the local guys because they wanted him to run the I-55, uh, speedway race. And he said, no, it's about them, which that's where I respected him on. Now they're not at I fifty five this year. They're not. No, they're on, losing. They're not. They're, right not at, the they're not um, on Saturday nights or on Thursday nights. So Kenny Wallace said, "I, I benefit better on Thursday night." Now, Kenny Wallace, I am okay with him taking the SRX ride last year because he denied it last year. Or this, he took it this year because he denied it last year. I'm fine with that. Um, and I don't entirely see him as a superstar, but I feel like he could be a big asset to the short track scene. Yes, especially yeah, along with five, along with fifty dirt tracks around here that paid a guy four thousand dollars to come race at their at their local track when they didn't pay first place for the twenty five hundred. So, you know, I mean, come on, let's be real about Kenny Wallace and Kenny Strader right now. They have they all they've done for the last twenty years is run around these dirt tracks, getting promoters to pay them a little bit of money to come out there and race, so that they so that the promoters can say we've got NASCAR drivers driving this race here this weekend. You want to come out and bring your family and bring your kids and buy a cheeseburger because you're going to get to meet Kenny Wallace. You're going to get to meet Kenny Schrader. Right, but but the untold story is that guy got his whole bread paid for to show up to a racetrack and beat up on some locals. This shit's probably not even legal, right? And now all of a sudden he's a superstar. He like we wouldn't got Kenny Wallace when we could have brought in when when Helio Castroneves maybe could have had this ride or or Lewis Hamilton for crying out loud. I mean, look, I thought. The SRX series was going to focus on the stars of racing. Kenny Wallace never even won a cup race. Miss Lee, point us in the right direction. Well, I, I'm going to disagree on your take with uh, uh, Kenny Schrader because Schrader has a. I love uh, yes, he's he's got a. a I've had him. I've been history in the room with both Kenny Wallace. I've been in the room with both of them. Both of them are great guys to talk with, and both of them make you feel like family. But they're also, when you get to know who they are and what they do, 
they ain't got their ass on a grassroots racer. They are there because they are getting paid. But besides that, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all right. I no, I I just you know I think um, I'm I'm kind of torn. I like Kenny Wallace to an extent, but yeah, you're right. He's gone off on some tangents lately. Um, but you know, like like he, the rich kids in racing. Did you did you catch that one right? I mean, no, what, I missed what, that what one. Poor, what poor kids in racing, Miss Lee? Tell me what poor kid is in racing right now. I mean, right. no, 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 no car owner stopping on the wrong side of the tracks and picking up some poor kid to take him to the racetrack so he can race race cars on Saturday night, right? I mean, come right. on. <laughs> right, but you know, it's it's a name thing. It's a name thing, and it might bring some more fans out. Who knows? You know. We'll 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 see what 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 ends up happening. And he's only running one race, you know. So. Well, I feel like the Debbie Downer here. I do. I feel like the oddball out. But uh, you know, look. I mean, I'm glad you agreed with me that Kenny's been a little bit over extravagant. He's probably just listening to our show and figuring out how we get ratings. So, I mean, he's he's just doing. He's just hey, copying listen, our. Kenny Wallace is. <laughs> He's funny. Kenny Wallace is more bipolar than the Northeast winners. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and I wanted to take a picture of my in my thermostat. It's at seventy four degrees uh, on my way to the house. Just a few minutes to bed. Yeah, we didn't even have a winter this year. So, um, no, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Four days. We're gonna we're gonna turn the we're gonna turn the air conditioning. Yeah, I mean we literally had the same winter y'all had. So. Um, it was the same picture, yeah. and it lasted four days. Uh, Getting back to Kenny Wallace real quick. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's get Kenny one more time. Because I want to get my take. I, I'm like you. I like this. You know what? It is not, now it is, now it definitely is the senior racing experience. I agree with you, Chris. It's supposed to be the stars of racing today. I used to love Kenny Wallace. I'd watch his videos and I'd laugh. Well, now he's become a mere shadow of himself. And I agree with you, bringing in these guys to these local tracks, it's a money grab for them. It's just like when, it's just like when entertainers come in and they're washed up. It's a money grab. They're doing it because they're paying for their social security. They're paying for their retirement. You saw so, William Shatner doing you know, a doing a commercial. You knew that William Shatner needed money. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a month and a half down here, we have Sugar Fest. The U.S. Sugar puts on, and they're bringing in Grand Funk Railroad. Grand Funk Railroad from the seventies. <laughs> oh my God, I love those guys. So I mean, talk about money grab. I mean, these guys, they're all in their 70s for crying out Christmas. Kenny Wallace has no business in SRX. What have you done for me lately, Kenny? And I think his I think his going off was, uh, well, a little bit childish, but then what can we expect from a crabby old guy? Anyway, I digress. We can move on, I guess. I mean, Kenny, Kenny made the he, – he raced his way into the B-Main at the Gateway. I mean, he's a superstar. Give him his credit. 
I'm going to throw the bottle at you. Okay, okay, okay. Hot Topic C. First of all, I do want to add to what you guys said. The chain smokers are going to be part of the program at the uh, road, uh, the uh, street course race in Chicago. So I believe it's going to be Dirk Bentley. Oh, yeah. Chain smokers and two or two other headliners. So um, anybody know any songs that the chain smokers sing? Nope. I forget. Meaning? I forget. <laughs> okay. JTG and Doherty Racing wins the Daytona 500. Big significance, little significance. I think we've been here before. I feel like this is 2021 all over again. Uh, little guy pulls off a big win, a lot of hype for three or four days, and then for the rest of the time, it's like a bigger uh, – uh, a symbol next to the guy's name as we wait and finish the year out where he's going to be some four or 500 points out from where uh, most of the top 16 would be. Is this, and is, we is talked this a little bit about this earlier, Chris, and, you know, the, the consensus was, you know, okay, Ricky's good at, at super speedways. We all know that. But can he take the momentum of this win and prove himself to be a contender or not? No. Miss Lee, the check's already written. Kroger wrote the check that they're going to write to that team. It's not going to – this win is not going to make them magically better. We've, we've seen this with McDowell. We watched this with Trevor Bain. The check's already written. Right, I have to share <laughs> what I what I share. I shared this in in the group chat. You all know I work for Ricky's sponsor Kroger, so I had a coworker who she's like a, a, a Gail Earnhardt fan, but she doesn't follow NASCAR, and she's like, "Ooh, the Kroger car won." And I'm like, yeah, too bad we can't get the next day off or anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the check's already written, right? Um, I don't think that there's going to be much significance here. I think that Ricky is a top 25 driver. I don't see him as a top 16 driver. Um, I don't think much will change. Now, you know, Kroger, they generally sign on for the full year. So any money that another spot they may pick up with another sponsor would have to indirectly work with Kroger. Uh, I believe some of like what we've seen with Target, the Target car for so many years. There's certain brands, Procter and Gamble, I believe, are advertised heavily on uh, the JTG Doherty uh, machines. So you know whether or not uh, that's going to make any significance. I mean, you know, like the first few days is going to be when we hear it, right? Um, you know, this team is excited to announce that such and such sponsor is going to provide this this season. And, you know, um, I think we all kind of stood around and waited to see what would happen with Trevor Bain back in 2011. Nothing came of it. You know, uh, I think that uh, we expected big things for Michael McDowell. Uh, you know, and I'm sure it helps somewhere or another buy some tires, maybe, maybe an associate sponsor here or there. But all in all, I mean, Michael McDowell finished exactly where we thought he would, right, uh, at the end of the season. So, 
Taz, what's your thoughts on the JCD Doherty situation with Ricky and being in contention as a true contender uh, for the championship this year? I don't see them as a true contender. Uh, I mean, the only contender, the true contender label I can put on them is at Super Speedway races. Um, we had Ricky Stenhouse listed as a sleeper pick um, last week when we previewed the 500 this weekend or this past so we weekend. We did have, we did make a significant effort to put Ricky as something that could be a possible pro that could be a possibility in the race. That makes me feel a little bit better because Taz, the first thing that I did was I went back and checked to see if any of us had put uh, Stenhouse in our top 16 and we didn't, none of us. So uh, like you can take our, uh, our grab and you can throw it away uh, because ain't none of us going to be right. But it is good to know that we, did acknowledge him as a good speedway racer. And I believe the uh, odds were like plus 4,000. So that wasn't really too terrible, uh, you know, Vegas and their odds for Talladega. And Daytona are probably about as good as what you and I and and Craig can come up with. But in terms, I think – in terms of this year, it's probably not going to be as significant. But I think for the team as a whole – this is huge. I mean, they made the team first made their debut entirely in 1995 in the Goodies 300, and at that time they were known as the S. They were known as ST Motorsports. Uh, then they debuted in the Truck Series in 2006 in the Kroger 250 at Martinsville, and they debuted in the Cup Series in 2008 Brickyard 400. They may not have any drivers' championships within the organization, but they have up to this is up to date. They have six race victories total, two in Cup and four in Xfinity. They have twelve total pole awards, three in Cup, eight in Xfinity, and one in Trucks. Now, their two Cup wins come from. A.J. Allmendinger back in Watkins Glen, and, of course, now the Daytona 500. Obviously, with them having the Daytona 500 trophy for their team belt, this is huge for them. Because, like I said, the other race they won was at Watkins Glen. And I don't think they won... And I have to look at their Xfinity wins, but I don't think they won any big Xfinity races there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think you made a great point. Ricky bought more time definitely for his career, but also, like, it may have a significant change for next year. There may be something that this team that could have, that we've heard over the last few years has been on the verge. Of course, they were a two-car team for a couple of years, and then they they closed the operation. Anytime you have a single-car operation, the first thing you want to think about is how – um, plentiful that organization is and how healthy that organization is as a whole. And, and JTG, if I were to scale them 1 to 10, on 10 being the healthiest and 1 being the least healthiest or the unhealthiest, I would put them somewhere about a 3 or 3 and a half, right? I mean, we, we just don't know the longevity of that organization. 
this could bring new life. I mean, this could that money could very well buy something that they did not have before. Maybe it buys them an engineer, right? Um, that's a, a million dollars is a is a is a good engineer's salary. So uh, maybe it does give some kind of significant meaning uh, to the team, if not this year, later on. Craig, I'd like your thoughts. Hang on one second. The million-dollar question is, who is Kroger loyal to? Are they loyal to Ricky or are they loyal to JTG? Yeah. Uh, I would feel that they are loyal to JTG. They've they've been with them for a very long time. Uh, Kingsford Coal, uh, Charcoal, that go, I mean, and Kroger go back really, really, really far. Before it was Kroger, I know it was Kingsford Charcoal, but I believe there was an associate uh, sponsorship on the back of the race car, even when Kingsford was still on the front of the race car, and that would have been the Marcus Ambrose era. So. Um, it that, would be, that would be a really interesting thing to research is what are the ties between JTG and Kroger? Is there an in in there somewhere? Right. I've always wondered why they were so loyal to JTG, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Procter & Gamble sponsorships, you know, with the Clorox and the Cottonelle, and I believe there's been other uh, Procter & Gamble brands that have been advertised on that race car. Why it was so significant for Kroger, which is a major brand, to continue to invest a smaller amount of money into a, uh, a lower-managed team. Um, right. You know, being that Kroger is one of the top national chains, you would expect them to kind of be higher up on the totem pole. And I mean, what looks like, I mean, the 47 looks like it has a good sponsor, but it doesn't run like it has a good sponsor. So there's exactly. obviously just not, it's just not, you know, JTG is not asking for that much at the table. And that's what's made this partnership good because you would know that other companies and other trade teams have contacted uh, that sponsor and be like, hey, you know, why don't you come over here? And then they throw the number out there and probably get, probably Kroger laughs at them. Uh, they're obviously well, getting a deal. That, and and I can I can the only thing that I can say is that I know that Kroger and Procter and Gamble are both located in Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, and I don't know true. what the ties are between the two companies, but. That's interesting, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you got probably, me intrigued right now. I, I want to pull a hole. <laughs> I think I'm fixing to start digging. <laughs> well, Kroger has been with JTG Doherty for over 10 years. Uh, I was While Miss Lee was talking, I was Google. Um, and they've been in the sport 25-plus years. Um, I don't know. I, I couldn't find anything to uh, solidify why what their loyalty is. But their loyalty is going to be with JTG. It is not going to be with Recky. Um, they'll continue sponsoring their cars until, well, they decide they don't want to do it anymore, which, which is good for the 
which is good for the team. Um, and that just shows how much faith they or what they believe out of JTG uh, Doherty because they've not had the most stellar career either in uh, Bush, which is now Xfinity, or in Cup. So, you know, kudos to them for sticking around that long and dumping money into a sport that's a no-win, you know, situation. When I, 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 I'm sorry, Miss Lee, that you didn't get a day off Monday because, you know, <laughs> recce, recce won. You probably should have called in because you were, you were inebriated from the celebration that, you know, Kroger finally got in victory lane. That's too funny. I bet, I bet if the digging were done, we'd find that there is a tie between JTG and Kroger because I can't find any other explanation for why they've stuck with them so long with their record. Right. And I'm looking at a photo right now of Marcus Ambrose in 2008 with the sponsorship of Clorox and Kleenex on the back of the car, which would be Procter and Gamble. So I'm right. you said, Craig, that 10 years ago is when Kroger signed on uh, with, with JTG. So they were carrying the Procter and Gamble uh, sponsorship since their inception. And only recently did they expand their sponsorship to the Kroger line, which in in this day and world where everything is owned by everything else, where everything is owned by by one certain company, uh, as Ms. Lee said, both of their operations based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, would feel like there's probably a connection between those two and then possibly, like you said, a connection uh, with maybe the owners and – Procter and Gamble, like I know a lot of people, you know, I've explained so many times, Lowe's was not actually a sponsor for Jimmy Johnson, and people are like, Chris, you're crazy. No, I'm not. The guy who owned all the shares, the most of the shares to Lowe's was actually the guy who sponsored Jimmy Johnson, and he slapped Lowe's on there so that they could use the associate sponsors like Cobalt and other of those to sell to them. Uh, basically, the guy who owned most of the shares of Lowe's uh, improvement stores slapped Lowe's on the side of that race car, paid for the whole year's sponsorship, and then basically leased out uh, parts of that race car to companies that were connected through Lowe's. So, you know, it's uh, and a better example is Bob Jenkins, the Taco Bell car. The Taco Bell car was never really sponsored by Taco Bell, a PepsiCo company. It was sponsored because the guy owned franchises. Uh, and uh, I believe the Dr. Pepper cars were, the, were exactly the same thing, the old BK Racing. Those were cars that affiliated. That has, yeah, see, now it's truck, right? Conspiracy theories. Yay. No. For what? What's a conspiracy? No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking digging. Because, oh, you know, most NASCAR fans don't think about this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, they just see something, they're like, oh, yeah. But, yeah, Bob Jenkins owned franchises of, of Taco Bell, Long John Silver's, A&W Root Beer, and for years he's thrown those 
uh, companies own their car, own the car because they own the franchises. So it's pretty similar to what uh, what we've seen with uh, several other cars that you know people just really didn't realize that that was uh, uh, the case for for those. And and my question with FedEx is the same deal, like right because franchises are owned uh, franchise. Uh, FedEx is broken down broken down into franchises. So who actually pays that bill isn't shareholders for the for that year sponsorship. It has to be somebody high up within the FedEx company that that, that uh forks out the bill. Uh, how that actually works I, I'm not sure though. But we went down the rabbit hole, now we'll have to come back and quickly grab a hold of the show again. We talk about Cal Bush <laughs> Being 0 for 18, Kyle Busch 0 for 18. Is it ever going to end? Will he end his career similar to Tony Stewart, still chasing the 500? Uh, or Mark Martin, um, Kyle Busch has had a very uh, successful career. He looked like he was going to win it. I don't know. Do you guys want to start out with, was that the right move for, for uh, Austin Dillon to let Kyle Busch in? It seems like that kind of took the momentum. Out of the bottom line, what are you guys' thoughts? We'll open with you, Ms. Lee. I'm not sure. I, I that was a tough call. I was I was shocked actually. Um, you know, I I thought they would I thought they would line up, you know, right behind each other. Um, it, it was. It was baffling to me, personally. I would not have made that call if I was a crew chief, but they thought they had it figured out, and it didn't work out for them. Yeah, I mean, you were side by side. You thought you could take it down into the corners, and there was no three-wide racing going on, really. Uh, So... uh, I was kind of baffled by that call, too, to see Austin jump down. If they wanted to start behind each other, there was already the choose cone. They could have done that. Seemed like It seemed to me like a wasted opportunity there. Taz, what are your thoughts? 0-18. and 0-18, oh, boy. Um, he's getting up there with Dale Earnhardt, that's for sure. Um, in terms of the double file thing that you guys are mentioning, um, I think it worked the first time where Austin Dillon went low, Kyle Busch went high, um, being that Austin Dillon uh, kind of used the bottom lane to kind of block off anybody that would try to give Kyle Busch a run for the money. But in this instance, but when they tried it again, obviously it didn't work because obviously they knew what the plan was. But Kyle Busch is going to have to try to see if he can get in 19th in his 19th start next year. If he has a 19th start. Yeah. Right, exactly. If he has a 19th start. You know, he may pop off mid-year that this is his last year, and he's done. If he has another, you know, shit year like he had last year, um, he may say, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to focus on, I'm going to focus on Brexton, and and that's it. Um, I I thought he had it. I was hoping he had it because uh, I know CJ and I both had him pick this week. So, um, 
it sucks. And I was going to pick them, it's, too, but I knew you guys would beat me to it. Okay, you yeah. was gone within the first so, hour. He was gone Tuesday because I sent it Tuesday. Because I wasn't there. No, he, he, he was gone from both groups in the first hour. That's how quickly people got him. So I, I hate it for him. It sucks. I hate it for me most. Um, you know, but it is what it is. And if he comes back and has a 19th season, you know, at Daytona, then hopefully he gets it next year. If not, it's not meant to be, and that's all there is to it. And, or he comes back and win it in 20 years. You know, his first one. Tommy Wagner. Kind of like that. What was that? Tony oh. Stewart never won it. I said, yeah, you'll have to call him a land one. But Tony Stewart never won it. Mark Horton never won it. Yeah. That didn't diminish their legacy. I don't think it's no, going to 500 find your legacy. It's a feather everybody wants in their cap, though. Right. Exactly. That's all it is, is a feather in the cap, and now it's a berth for people like Stenhouse in a, in a playoff series. Yeah. All right. No big surprise. It's almost 9.30. Let's go ahead and, and uh, head into our black flag, checker flag section. What is that noise? <laughs> I'm, I'm making tea. I'm sorry. They got to make tea before I go to bed. All right, black flag, checker flag. All right, Jenny Johnson and Travis Pastrana both qualify for the 500. Thoughts? I'll start out, checker flag. The sport needs storylines. Of course, Travis Pastrana uh, did a... A great job at representing the sport. Um, I, I did have a lot of people say, well, did he make it look easy? Did he make it look too easy? No. I mean, Travis Pastrana, it's not it's not his first time in NASCAR. He ran almost, he ran a whole season. The guys had an opportunity to know how this sport works. It's not like we just picked some blind guy, threw him in a race car, and was like, hey, you know, go out there and uh, try to win the Daytona 500. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, another great storyline. Check a flag, man. Uh, a former champion, uh, a guy who um, hasn't uh, let the racing bug go, just bought a race team. Look, storylines after storylines, shows like this need those storylines to maintain. I give a checker flag to both. Taz. I say checker flag to both, to that entirely. Johnson's comeback. Uh, I don't really want to say comeback, but it's the only word I can think of at the moment. And Pastrana, hey, you go from what a week he had, a winner in Volusia Dirt Car Nationals, uh, qualify for the Daytona 500, and get a top 20 finish. Can't complain. 
Craig, black flag, checker flag. Checker flag. I found it was. I thought it was great um, for Travis Pastrana. Pastrana. Um, I think it's great for him. He says there's not going to be any more, but I don't believe it. You know, that's a lot of money that they that they had to put up. That was a lot of money for that one race. Uh, it's top equipment too. You see the difference between a Connor Daly in the fifty car. And Travis Pastrana in the 67, that's the difference between a well-run organization and an organization that just parts and pieces trying to make it. Uh, Miss Lee, checker flag or black flag? Johnson Pastrana. Oh, I'm checkered. Checkered flag for both. It's nice to see Jimmy back in a car. You know, I'm glad that um, he's only running limited races because we don't want to see him dominate. But... Travis Pastrana, I'm very happy for him. He finished the race in a, in a decent position. And any time that he races in NASCAR, he brings a whole new world around to uh, see our sport. Did, did y'all see or read the articles of, of basically Richard Petty back Flashing the fact that Johnson is now the team owner and basically making Richard Petty insignificant there. Did any of y'all catch that? And the constant, no. uh, really? Got it in here. I did. Yeah, it was a lot I of did. that this weekend. A lot of a lot of bitching, a lot of belly aching from Richard Petty to the media that Jimmy Johnson has made him feel irrelevant at a company he no longer owns. Um, it's like somebody wow. didn't give him for the last, I guess, 15 years. Nobody said, Richard, you don't, you don't really own anything anymore. Um, but Jimmy Johnson's people have had no problem telling him that. If I had no, well, I'm that sure that Johnson something that, yeah, that that should have been that topic of discussion there. We we missed that that one. Well, you know, the time for the time for Petty to be bitching about that should have been before he sold out. He should have thought about that first. Is anybody reminded of the swing line stapler guy in office space? Well, they just didn't nobody just, do you know what I'm talking about? Office space? Swing line stapler guy? One of the most iconic, hilarious comedies ever made. Please watch it. Because basically what this is is a guy who was in the office and then he was never really told that he didn't work there anymore. And so he was com- he was always moved. And finally they moved him down to the boiler room and he decided to steal the money and burn down the place. And it was basically because nobody – because somebody stole the swing line stapler. But there again, with Richard Petty, nobody told this guy that, hey, you're kind of irrelevant now and you no longer own a piece of the company – even though the last two organizations have come in and bought what was left of Richard Petty or Petty Enterprise, they, you were, it was only by name. Like, there was really not – I think he owned, like, 5% of RPM. And uh, just before the Mari Gallagher-Jimmy Johnson connection, uh, I believe Richard sold out his last remaining assets or percentage of the company. So he he is he's zero ownership. But uh okay, we'll we'll save that one 
um, for next time. Greg Van Ost wins the ARCA race. Did you guys see that? I mean, that was amazing. Like, that's a, that's yep, a small-town guy who, you know, older gentleman who, you know, wouldn't want to be anywhere but right there and, and, and was winner. I, I gave a checkered flag. And he said, and he said, guys like me aren't supposed to do this. Right. I definitely a checkered flag for me. Flag on that one. And Craig. Checkered flag. Checkered flag. This one will probably be where we start getting a little bit, uh, you know, different opinions here. Bowman on the front row for the sixth time. I know you guys can say, oh, that's significant, blah, blah, blah. Look, it means absolutely nothing. What does it mean? Huh? What did, what did it mean, right? As a matter of fact, I felt like Jeff Gordon even said, what the hell does this really mean? Like, if, if my car is going to come out here, it's going to sit on the pole, and then you can't even race it in the duel, then what good is that, right? What good has that done for anybody, including the organization? I give a black flag to it. It's too much. Too Obviously, there is a lot going wrong with qualifying these days. Um, if you can't race the same car that you qualify, maybe that NASCAR needs to sew that up and say, hey, you know, we're not going to allow you to make changes from your qualifying effort to your you, – you, you need to qualify what you're going to race. Uh, because making these big swings like Bowman, it's, it's a show. It's, a, it's literally a show. It took away from the hard work of everybody else for Hendrick to go out here and shave a car completely down, turn it into this aero masterpiece, only for it to be garbage when the duel started and had to go to the back and go straight to the pits to get a better setup put in it so that he could drive the damn thing. Uh, I give a black flag to this. Uh, Taz, I'd like to know, big Bowman fan over there, uh, what are your what, black flag, checker flag? I'm sure you got a checker flag for this guy. Um, who said I was a big Bowman fan there, sir? I thought you were a Bowman fan. Well, you praise Bowman as much as you... He praised Bowman, Bowman as much as he praised the senior racing experience. So we've just assumed that you I swear to God, you like, you want to you roll Where? from three or four? You want to roll back the tape from three or four years ago when you were all gung-ho because he was the guy that needed to take over Junior and Hendrick would be crazy not to lock this guy down? I mean, come on. Like, you've been one of the biggest proponents of Alex Bowman. Now, all of a sudden, I guess there's a wrinkle in the case, maybe? I feel like – I don't know. Please I explain. I personally feel like you guys are making me a bigger Bowman fan than I actually am, but okay. <laughs> okay, that'll work. We we could we could get we could take that charge. Not as big of a Bowman fan as we think. Go ahead. Black flag, checker flag. I mean I'm gonna give it both. Checker flags in the sense no, that he no. he extends no. no. No, 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 you're going to let me know, Chris. No, I'm glad to see Taz is back playing both sides of the political fence. Welcome home, Taz. Welcome home, buddy. No, let me explain this. So I think the checker flag because of the because of him keeping his his streak or history going of having the most like front row starts in Daytona 500 history, blah, blah, blah. Flag flag because he's getting that many front row starts. They, there's got to be something done here because either they're putting something under that car 
to make him go that fast in qualifying and do jack shiznit in the freaking Daytona 500. Or I don't know what they're doing. Something's not something's not entirely right. I'm going checkered flag just for Alex being consistent in this streak. I think that's something to be proud of. Even if he can't follow it up. Miss Lee, what you're saying is the Viagra's working, he just can't finish. Because <laughs> he's able to he's able to qualify well. <laughs> he's able to qualify well, but he can't he can't get the job done when necessary because they set his car up to qualify on the front row, then they take it back and make all sorts of changes to it. The car drives like a dump truck and then he shit for the 500 miles, and then they're chasing it. I say shoot in the reverse. Okay, his his streak ends at six. Streak ends at six. They come back next year. They set it up for race conditions. He's going to race his way into the field for the 500. That's a given. Um, set him up for the win. Qualifying doesn't get you the big check. The wind gets right. you the check. That's right. And a That's story. Right. Um, right. You know, black flag for him. Celebrity appearances at the 500. Black flag, checker flag. Black flag. Who cares? Black flag, get rid of them. I don't care. I didn't even see any celebrities myself. Neither did Mikey. Taz, black flag, checker Celebrity appearances at the 500. I'm not giving it a flag because who cares? Oh, <laughs> no, really. Though. You know what? A checkered flag for celebrity appearances. Look, anytime you can add more people to more eyes, you know, I mean, whether it be 50 Cent or uh, Frankie Minez or whatever his name was, whatever, whatever works. Find you lost smoke, and that's where my brother's working at the airport, got laid off. Uh, Chastain with a nail biter to end stage two. I'm quite disappointed. I thought the uh, raise hell, praise Chastain. Uh, what was his What was his deal last year? The uh, I don't give a damn tour. I wanted to see it going, so uh, I'm, I'm not impressed with anything out of stage two. I think that that's bohonky. Black flag. What about you, Miss Lee? Nah, I'm waiting to see more out of him this year. See if he can do anything like he did last year. Taz, white flag, checker flag, or flag flag? What's the topic, quick? <laughs> Chastain with a nail biter to end stage two. He went out there and got him one. Who cares? All right. Craig? Hold on. Okay, I wanted to make sure I was unmuted. I, you know what? I want to see more. I want to see more. Can I want to see more out of him that I saw last year? So I have to side with Miss Lee on this one. Uh, I'll wave the white flag. Just you know, let me just see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I expect big things out of Melon Man, uh, and that's all there is to it. U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds. I give a checkered flag anytime that we're showing off our military. I think it's great. 
Uh, also, when you're at Amen. the racetrack and you see these guys buzz the tower less than, you know, a thousand feet above you, man, it's, it's something that's just, uh, it's part of the show. It's part of the gig. I give a checkered flag. Big checkered flag. Fast. Black, black, checkered flag. Checkered flag. Checkered flag. Craig, black, black, checkered flag. Both. Because it's Both. for our military, but they didn't do it last year when we were there. So, no, I'm kidding. Check your flag all the way around. All right, Reddit's getting loose and sets off eight-car wreck. Black flag to Reddit, you were my pick. You were only my pick because my other pick was stolen. And then you go out and you finish last in the Daytona 500. Damn! (laughs) And of all things, he set off an eight-car wreck. Black flag, black flag. Miss Lee. Uh Kid got loose by himself. I, it wasn't his fault. Uh, checker flag, because it gave us something to talk about. Greg. Checker flag. No, I'm kidding. Black what the hell flag. Put me, at, put me at one point, and now I'm 17 behind <laughs> you. So, yeah, I, I get the checker flag. Get the hell out of here. Xfinity last crash <laughs> leads to Austin Hill winning at Daytona. Now, did I not read this correct? Both Zane Smith and Austin Hill, they were both the champions last year, and they both won their respected races. What what was that? Zane, I know Zane Smith Zane, won. So Zane, Zane Smith and Austin Hill won the season openers at Daytona last year, and they both oh, okay. won the season openers this year. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, check your flag. Uh, nothing like seeing a guy who really knows how. Look, one of the first things we said last week was Austin Hill was a contender for the Daytona 500 because he's a great uh, plate racer, super speedway racer. So I give him the checker flag, uh, Miss Lee. Checkered flag. Taz. Checkers. All right, and Craig. Checkers. I think this is the next two are just as well. The big one sends the 500 into overtime. Stenhouse gets the first victory. I give a double checker flag. Love to see. Love to see first time winners. <laughs> oh, Recky, he's going to give us a topic line to discuss all year. And uh, of course, we wouldn't have had a 30 minute topic on our show if it wasn't for the 500 overtime. So, double checker flag, Miss Lee. I'm going black flag on this one. I I just don't think that. The way the race races all ended should should have happened. I agree. I like that. I like your black flag. Uh, Taz, black flag, checker flag, checker flag, and black flag. Checker flag in the sense I my gut told me there was going to be a first ever Daytona 500 winner, which we got black flag because I picked the wrong damn driver. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> Checker flag, I like to see repeat winners. You know, it's pretty cool that Zane Smith was able to do it last year. And, uh, you know, he was able to do it this year. So kudos to him. Plus, he got me points. All right. All right. So let's go off into the Taz segment. Um, Taz, I'll let you take it from here. All right, so we head we to Auto minutes. Club. We head to Auto Club for the first race of the West Coast Swing this year. And 
two-mile track. This is where we could see drafting come into play, driver skill come into play. It's wide open. I mean, we saw wide open last year uh, in terms of who we could see in the front. Eric Jones was up towards the front. Tyler Reddick led a good amount of laps last year. Kyle Larson ended up winning the race. Um, this year, we could see the same thing and maybe see some different names get into the mix. All right, so I, I'm going to do the sleepers, I believe. That's how we're going to do it. Somebody's going to do so the sleepers, somebody's going to do the favorites, somebody's going to do the in-between. Yep, favorites, sleepers, and underdogs. All right. Just name two, well, just name two drivers because there's four of us. <laughs> on the sleeper side? I was just going to name the four sleepers. I mean, if you want to knock out sleepers... And Miss Lee yeah, can I mean, I'll do the sleepers. sleepers. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do the sleepers because that's going to be kind of the ones that are far fetched. First one that comes to mind is Daniel Suarez, right? Uh, track house showed a lot of speed at mile and a half speedways. Uh, this is going to be a track that kind of falls into favor of what we've seen last year with track house. Uh, so definitely uh, on the sleeper chart, I would have Daniel Suarez. I would also add Eric Jones. Uh, to that sleeper status as well, because once again, you're talking about an RCR affiliated race car uh, that showed a lot of speed at mile and a half speedways. Uh, I think Eric Jones is, uh, of course, he won last year at uh, um, at Darlington. So uh, maybe he's maybe he's a little bit more up the chain than a sleeper, but I would, but I'm definitely zoning in on him as a sleeper pick. Uh, my other two picks would be Ty Gibbs. He's a rookie, right? So you can't really be up on him right now, but you got to kind of keep your eye on him. And uh, for my fourth and final uh, sleeper pick, I would probably go with a Ford driver. Let's go with BK Racing. We'll go with Chris Busher. You got those written down, Tess? Send them to me quick. Daniel Suarez, Chris Busher, Ty Gibbs, and Eric Jones. And you're you're able to add any of those if you want to. Those are the four that I've that I've. All right, next. All right. Um. Let's see. Favorites, I see Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush, and Joey Logano. Um, I'm going to add Tyler Reddick as a sleeper. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tyler Reddick is a sleeper? I I, I I cannot. No, sir. No, sir. That guy, he's coming off three wins last year. He's, he's in an organization that had two wins with some with a hurt driver and Bubba Wallace. Uh, there's no way. There's He's got to be in that middle group. There's no way that I can sit here and put Tyler Reddick he, into a sleeper. So there's no I way. Pretty, so I pretty much had him close. He's a moderate favorite. favorite. 
All right, hold Maybe on. A moderate Chris, favorite, you need to let me explain but down, this. Oh, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought we already did this last week, so there's not really much to explain. We have three categories. We have a guy who probably won't make it, but could still do something. We have guys who are moderately favorites. That would be your Martin Truex Jr. or maybe Ryan Blaney. And then you have your really, really favorites, which would be like Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, you know, anybody that's won multiple wins last year. Tyler Reddick is not a sleeper pig guy, not at all. And, and can I get an agreement with everybody here before we go any further? Tyler Reddick should not be a sleeper pig. No, Reddick is no, not a sleeper pig. No way. No, I'm sorry, Taz. I'm sorry, and it breaks my heart because on this one, I know how I know how lovable you are, and I know how passionate you are about things. But on this one, we cannot. The guy's coming off three wins with a bullshit organization last year. He is now in a Toyota that's just as fast and just as good as any of those other Toyotas out there. It would be a disgrace to put that guy off in a sleeper pick. And same breath as as Eric Jones, even even Ty Gibbs. The reason why Ty Gibbs is a sleeper is because he has no – he's not proven himself, but he's got a really fast race car. Tyler Reddick has quite the opposite. He has a really fast race car, and he's proven himself. So let's let's keep him in the moderate favorite if, 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 if we're going to name him at all. Okay. Well, we'll put him in favorites. I'll keep my explanation MIA for now. So um, – Underdog. Okay. So we have underdog and little... sleepers, right? Well, okay, I'm confused no. now. What... I was think I thought sleepers was one that you could like. They're like the next favorites, and underdogs are kind of like um the long shots. Sleepers are long shots, so I thought maybe, maybe we're just. Confused on the lingo we're using here. Um, if you want to change mine from sleepers to underdogs, that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there is a confusion on how, where, how we are. Yeah, how we're supposed to name these guys, um, and that may be the confusion that we're having, Taz. Uh, so um, let's just say that on the third tier, we'll we'll just do tiers: first tier, second tier, third tier. I announced the third tier drivers. So you are announcing the second tier drivers. And I can definitely see Tyler Reddick in that second tier. So Tyler Reddick, let's 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 not let's not worry about anything that we've discussed so far, Taz, because we'll get that figured out in the lingo. I figure where you're going now and I'm so sorry that we did not catch that in the beginning. Uh, but I do see now where your point is. So if we can kind of stick to the to the tier level right now, and then we'll rename this later on. But the third tier is the most highly unlikely to win. The second tier is likely to win or moderate favorite to win. And the first tier would be most likely to win. So let's keep it like that. Can we do that? Sure, we can do that. So I'm sorry for anybody that I might have offended or whatever. I've pissed people off all week, so I guess I guess I did it again here, and I'm very sorry that I did that. But I think that if it's confusing for us, it's definitely going to be confusing for anybody listening to this show. So let's go with what we have here. We have the third tier, the most highly unlikely to win. Now let's do the second tier 
uh, most likely or moderate likely to win. Uh, have Tyler Reddick number one. What's number two? Um, I have probably tier two. I would probably put Byron and Bowman in there. And then tier one, I pretty much listed. I really feel like we might have botched this segment now. I really do. And we'll we'll, we'll regroup on this. Uh, I believe that tier one, you should have the names of Chase Elliott. Who's the last year's winner? Joey Logano. Or, or well, we'd have to go back a couple of years on the auto club. But Joey Logano is definitely right. He's your champion. Uh, Chase Elliott, uh, great mile and a half uh, driver, right? Always competitive. Uh, you would have uh, Kyle Larson. One of the hottest drivers in the garage, always, right? Uh, Denny Hamlin, I think he's a former winner here, so you would definitely have him in a in a favorite-type uh, a, a favorite situation. Um, in the middle tier two, I would be looking at guys like Ron Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., um, uh, uh, somebody else. Come on, help me out here. Who's in that eight spot? Um, uh, Chase Briscoe, not Chase. That's giving him too much credit. He would be he would be in the lower tier. Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick, right? I think we could still fit him in that mid tier, right? Um, a possibility. So maybe we just need to regroup on this because I'm not getting any help, and I feel like I've already pissed some people off. So uh, all right. I don't know. So my top my top tier is Larson and Logano. Mid-tier, I might put Harvick there. Um, yeah, maybe Hamlin. Long shot, third tier. I'm going to say um, Blaney. And... I don't know, Hamlin. We want to give these uh, the audience a chance to really zone in on who they feel is going to be the most competitive in this race coming up. Unfortunately, we're all going to try to go get these top three or four guys that we've mentioned, and that's not going to work because we have more – players than what we have drivers. So um, there's going to be some doubling up, possibly some tripling up. So next week when we come back to this segment, um, I I think that maybe we should already have our picks uh, submitted into that area so that we can really go back to focusing on what we're trying to persuade uh, the listeners, because we're not in contention with them. Like, we are the so-called professionals. Uh, but but they are the ones that kind of need guidance. And this is this, this tier, this, uh, where, they, where they land is very important to the people that are not as involved in the racing as what we are. 
So it's going to be very helpful to them for us to really know and zone in on what are the most likely guys that are probably going to win this race. What are the like? If those guys are not available for your pick, these are the second group of people, the second group of drivers. Your Tyler Reddicks, your Bubba Wallace's, your Ryan Blaney's, your Martin Truex Juniors. These guys haven't broke out. Kevin Harvick hasn't broke out yet, you know. And then, and then of course your underdog or your third tier, your sleeper, uh, which would be uh, in the lines of somebody who running all of their tracks, not running all the tracks well but runs some of the tracks really good and have had finishes that make you believe that they could be uh, one to watch. And, Craig, you did throw out Ricky Stenhouse, and I'll give you that one on the sleeper pick. Ricky did show a lot of life at some of these mile-and-a-half speedways last year. Unfortunately, we caught him Ricky Shithouse through a lot of that because he overdrove the race car and put himself in a bad position. So way to go on that one as well. Look, and listeners, of course, even us, sometimes we are not as prepared uh, for certain things as we thought we were. And, and I believe feeling off of what we had last week's segment versus this week's segment, we were somewhere botched up on that. And, and, I, and I apologize, and I'm sure uh, Taz and the rest of the gang uh, will agree to this. We'll have this segment fixed uh, before we come back on the air next week, and we'll be a little bit more thorough into what exactly it is we're trying to sell uh, when we come into this uh, this very topic or, or when we're making our picks. Now, Taz, if you will give them an update of when you can make these picks and when they're going to be available and the email address and stuff, if you'll give that quick reminder. And we're already at the end of the show, guys, so uh, I'll leave it to you, Taz. All right. So tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, I'll put the reminder out in the morning. Uh, will be when picks are available to be open and you email those picks to rclnascarpicks at gmail.com you'll have until the time I said for tomorrow up until Thursday uh, 8pm Eastern to make your picks if for some reason you you need to make a second pick because your original pick uh, was taken. Um, you have until Friday. I don't remember the time off time I had to make that second pick. But get those picks in as soon as you can so you can get who you want and help you get points. So thank you long, everyone, to listening to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you, of course, if you miss us live, you can listen to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSSB, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict, Caesar, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Thank you to our sponsors, Phoenix Fitness, Bears Bullish Market Talk Group, and Carolina Sports Plus. We'll see you all at the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night here on Blog Talk Radio with Race Chat Live. This has been Craig Moore, Chris Creighton, Miss Lee, and Taz Taylor signing out. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.